Recent penalties paid out by HSBC and Standard Chartered Bank set new records for violations to anti-money laundering laws. But how effective will these penalties be in the long run, where banking practices linked to suspicious activity reporting and other BSA compliance requirements are concerned? Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group, and I'm here today with Kevin Sullivan, a longtime expert in AML compliance and a former investigator with the New York State Police. Kevin, let's start with talking about HSBC. The bank was cited for Bank Secrecy Act violations dating back to 2006, based on regulators' findings that HSBC was not properly monitoring transactions with foreign affiliates. What can you tell us about HSBC's missteps? Uh, Hi, Tracy, and and thank you guys for having me. Uh, First, there was a backlog of over 17,000 alerts that identified possible suspicious activity and that had not yet been reviewed by the bank. There were ineffective methods for identifying suspicious activity, a failure to file timely uh, suspicious activity reports. There was a failure to conduct any due diligence to determine the risks of HSB's affiliates uh, before they opened up these corresponding accounts. There was a failure to conduct any AML monitoring on over $15 billion in bulk cash transactions uh, with the same uh, affiliates. Uh, There were poor procedures for assigning country and client risks. Uh, There was a failure to monitor over $60 trillion in annual wire activity uh, by customers that were rated at a lower risk. And the bottom line was there was inadequate and unqualified AML staffing and inadequate AML resources and a lack of AML leadership. So, Kevin, how could the bank get away with these violations for so long? You know, that's the million-dollar question. Uh, or in this case, the $1.9 billion question. And I think on a macro level, it, it's simply just a breakdown of quality leadership at the top, which manages to filter its way down to the bottom. And ergo, you have people that aren't accountable and, and items that aren't held to the fire. And if you had a better leadership system, these things wouldn't happen. What kind of precedent do you think these penalties have set? You know, I would really hope that it serves as a wake-up call to every and, and all finance institutions that there are consequences for your actions. However, I'm not so sure that that's going to work that way. And do you think that these types of penalties will actually be a deterrent? To some extent, but I'm a big believer that as long as the rewards are greater than the consequences, then it will be worth the risk to someone. In in other words, you have to make the cost of punishment greater than the benefit of the crime. Now let's take a look at the violations that were placed on SCB. SCB not only was cited by federal regulators, but also the newly created New York State Department of Financial Services. What can you tell us about SCB's case? According to the New York State Department of Financial Services, a Standard Charter Bank helped Iran launder about $250 billion in direct violation of federal laws. They also apparently kept false records and handled wire transfers for Iranian clients. Standard Charter Bank sent the wires through its New York unit in a concept of what's called a U-turn transaction. And basically, they stripped the names of the clients in order to keep it from being flagged. Do you think, Kevin, that the fines imposed were steep enough? In my opinion, no, they were not. I find it absolutely egregious that this happened. This goes way beyond not hiring enough staff or having a, an outdated alert system. I mean, stripping the information from the wires tells me that someone was well aware of the rules and they chose to circumvent them. This is not just looking the other way when the bad guy comes into the bank with sacks of cash. You know, this is holding the door for him, helping him with the bags, and valeting his car for him. 
Now, of the two banks' offenses, which do you deem to be the most egregious? They're close, but I think there's something about the stripping that I find is just absolutely incredibly arrogant. That just seems to get my goat. And whether it's actually more egregious or not, I'm not sure, but for some reason it just bugs me more. I think that in addition to these fines, I think if you want something to be done, lock them up. That may act as a greater deterrent than just some of these fines. Because these people can absorb the fine. These banks can absorb it. It's only, I think the HSBC fine was only about nine days worth of profits for them. If you start locking some people up, that might act as a greater deterrent than anything else you can do. Now, do you think that these types of violations are common, Kevin? I mean, are there other banks that are out there doing the same things and perhaps HSBC and SCB are just being used as examples? I honestly don't know. Uh, I would really like to think that these things are few and far between, but you know, I'm a longtime law enforcement guy, and I, I'm certainly not naive about this, and to think that this may be the only only thing I think would be quite naive. I know a lot of people in the banking industry, and they're really good people, and there's always going to be some negative seed. And the thing is that you just can't let a few bad apples make you lose faith and trust in the institution. And do you think that these penalties have actually gotten other banks' attention? Oh, absolutely. This is being talked about in every corner of every bank. And I may up answering your next follow-up question with this. I think we are dealing with a white-collar criminal type of mentality. And the white-collar criminal ego says, I'm smarter than you. They can't catch me. So I don't think we have seen the last of this type of activity or that type of white-collar mentality yet. What about the regulators? Do you think that they're enhancing their efforts to hold some of these banking executives to the fire where BSA compliance and other AML-related mandates are concerned? And I think the jury is still out on that one. I understand the manpower issue, but I'd like to see some of the small institutions be scrutinized a little more. I do think that the uh, New York State Department of Financial Services, taking the bull by the horns in the SCB case, will be very interesting to watch and see if that is a one-time event or if that becomes a trend. Do you think that 2013, we can expect to see steep penalties like this for violations that come into play? I'd say you can absolutely count on that. And then, Kevin, what would you say are some of the top money laundering concerns for the year ahead? You know, for years, I would hear finance institutions complain to me about the regulator. Too much regulation, too many rules, too costly. And just when you start to feel sorry for them, bam, you see this activity. You see Wachovia, you see Barclays, you see HSBC, you know SCB, and you think, geez, maybe we don't have enough regulation. So maybe the best thing we can do for AML is just to get our ship in order. I mean, yeah, there'll always be some new methods that we can worry about and try to look into preventing or getting a, a foothold in it. But I think we really need to get the entire AML ship together and get our AML programs budgeted sufficiently. You know, maybe some of that money that we make from the fines needs to go back to some of the banks to supplement the AML programs and bring them all up to speed so they have a minimal requirement for AML. What final recommendations do you have for financial institutions that want to enhance their AML and BSA programs? I would start with the realization that money laundering can happen to you. You cannot go cheap in this area. I understand that this is not a money-making, profitable source for any institution, and we are a metrics-based society, and we like to be able to put numbers on the amount we take in, and it's very difficult or impossible to put numbers on money laundering, especially when not taking it in, and quite frankly, in most cases, money laundering makes money, and it makes profits for institutions. So I suppose the only way to effectively do that is, is to form stricter regulating, stricter monitoring of AML programs. So get the programs up to speed and monitor them very tightly. 
and I think we ought to be concerned about independent auditors. I think independent auditors should be licensed. It's far too easy for an independent auditor to tell a client what he wants to hear so he can maintain that lucrative relationship with the finance institution. But if it turns out that independent auditor was in the tank for the finance institution, then they should risk having their license suspended or pulled altogether. Kevin, I want to thank you again for your time today. Oh, thank you, Tracy. I appreciate it. Again, we've just heard from AML expert Kevin Sullivan. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.